137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Part 2 of the Amityville Horror. Now when we last left off, Ronnie DeFeo Jr. had just killed his entire family via a series of brutal gunshot wounds. After getting caught and going to court, he claimed an insanity plea by means of hearing voices in 112 Ocean Avenue telling him to kill his entire family. After that, about 13 months later, the Lutz family George, Kathy, and kids, and their dog, bought the house for a heck of a steal, moved everything in for a brand new start, and then boom, we were off to the races. A series of unexplained knocking noises, waking up every morning at 3.15 a.m. in the paranoia that somebody was, you know, getting into their boathouse, and other weird and bizarre activities had just begun to start. And when we signed off last, it was December 24th, and Father Mancuso had just rung the Lutz family to tell them they might want to seek shelter and get out of the house. On December 24, 1975, Father Mancuso called George Lutz to advise him to stay out of the second floor room where he had heard the mysterious voice and got slapped because it was the former bedroom of Mark and John Matthew DeFeo, the two little boys that got shot. And Kathy had planned to use that same room for a sewing room. But this phone call was cut short by a lot of static. So halfway through the phone call, static on both ends, and the call gets dropped. And so Father Moncuso thinks that George hung up and vice versa. So they go about their business. But Father Moncuso was a little bit nervous, so he actually reaches out to a local police detective to go by just to make sure the Lutz family's okay. And yet again, the next morning, on Christmas morning, George wakes up. Again at 3.15 a.m., and again he fears the boathouse is unlocked, this time running outside just to make sure. And it is indeed locked. Relieved that it's secure, George looks up at his daughter, Missy's room, to see her standing there staring down at her father. But behind her stood an evil pig face floating behind her in the shadows with glowing red eyes. And then, in the days following... Missy begins to talk to her parents about her new imaginary friend named Jody, and she describes Jody as a talking pig. Following the visit, like Wilbur, <laughs> right? Babe. Or babe. Yeah, <laughs> right. That'll do. That'll babe. Be <laughs> <laughs> now, Steve, earlier you asked, like, why did it take him a whole week to reach out to the family? Yeah. Well, following the visit to the house, Father Moncuso allegedly developed a high fever. And also That's bliss. Right. Yeah, he started getting flu-like symptoms. His his fever went up to like 104 degrees, and he also developed blisters on his hands similar to the stigmata. George had been complaining this entire time also about not being able to feel warm himself. So throughout the entire story, he's just continuously feeding fire log after fire log into this fireplace. He's checking the oil. Um, Stove in the basement, doing all these things that he'd never get warm. Meanwhile, it's like 75 degrees in this house. But, of course, you know, it's the middle of winter. It's like, you know, December, January, that time frame. So he also stops showering and shaving ever since they had moved in. So now he's going on about a week without showering or shaving. 
he starts to grow out this big gnarly beard, as you can see in you know any version yeah. of the movie. And Cass own musk, yeah, right? <laughs> Doing that Matthew McConaughey stuff. And Kathy has a few odd episodes herself that she describes as the feeling of a comforting female presence that oftentimes embraces her from behind like a mother would to console a child, but only when she's in the kitchen by herself. Weird. Later toward the end of December, Kathy's aunt Teresa, a woman who was a former nun, drops by for a visit. Before she leaves, she... Mother Teresa? <laughs> and before she leaves, she warns the Lutzes that she senses a great deal of negative energy from that sewing room, as well as what the kids are using as their playroom. Did she get slapped? No, <laughs> no she didn't. <laughs> and she advises them to stay out of It bull- just slaps every person of <laughs> clergy. Like. <laughs> Sounds like one of those uh, scary movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even ghosts know better than to slap a nun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she advises them to stay out of both those two rooms. And speaking of rooms... They also have now discovered a hidden room inside of a closet underneath the stairs in the basement. The secret room is painted blood red and is said to have been about a five foot by seven foot size closet. I think that's the creepiest out of everything that, that's happened to this part. Really? You think so? Yeah. For for me, like I have just I have a fascination with hidden with hidden like rooms and uh-huh. houses and stuff. I think that is so cool. And then like just to, like have all that stuff happen would be would be crazy, and then it, up until this point, it's like, okay, is this a hoax or not? You know, whatever. But like to find like a hidden room mm-hmm. to be that, that my favorite thing in haunted. Yeah, oh, by the way, yeah, yeah, like the, yeah, you, just, just you this both room. need to read this novel written by Dan uh, by Mark Danielinski. It's called House of Leaves, and it's about Man. a family that moves into a home. Then one day when they come back from like grocery shopping, they find a little closet in the center of the house that was not there before. And then basically it's kind of like a TARDIS where on the outside of the house, let's say it measures like 33 feet across. If you take the tape measure from the inside of the house, measuring from one it's end on the through the closet <laughs> to the other end of the house, it's exactly like one inch bigger on the inside than the outside. Wait, do you know, do you know what the TARDIS is? so underneath this staircase there was like a little storage closet like a pantry and they find a piece of plywood that they kind of maneuver because they sense a little bit of like a light shining from behind it they pull the plywood down and this is the red room the infamous red room so is that where the idea of that came for the what he said, the haunting of Hill House. That's oh. a real slapping room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So now several days go by and things are pretty normal after this. Mr. and Mrs. Lutz are getting along again, even dare we say falling in love like it's the first time oh. since they moved into the house. He showered. <laughs> George has gone back to work and things have now become pretty normal because he worked as like a... Uh, like Surveying? A, yeah, in a yeah. surveying company and he was hoping to build a um, at-home office in the basement so he could work remotely from home. But now he can build in the red room. (laughs) (laughs) Anything comes true in the red room. (laughs) There's not much room in the red room. No. (laughs) uh, It's the 2005 movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, It's a big-ass room, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we'll get to that when we talk about the movie at the end. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's... Questions whether it was even a hidden room or just very yeah very true just a little alcove yeah so George has gone back to work and things seem pretty normal until New Year's Eve that night just after when all the kids had gone to bed George and Kathy are sitting up by the fire and out of nowhere they see a white hooded demon appear in the flames staring back at them 
It's even said in certain occasions this white-hooded demon has lurched out of the fire at George when he's been sitting by himself. The next night, they awaken to what feels like an Arctic gale force wind rushing through the house, and they discover that somehow all the windows on the second floor have all been opened, and it's about five degrees outside. And the next night after that, George and Kathy have just put the kids to bed when they turn out the lights in the living room and see from outside a large pig-faced entity looking in their living room window back at them with those telltale glowing red eyes staring back at them. Just picturing uh, the pig, Amanda, off of Saw. Oh, yeah. The pig mask. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that part would freak Shayla out. She hates pig faces. (laughs) So the next morning... (laughs) What? That's, that's a weird fun fact. Yeah, my wife hates pig faces. Like any, like just looking at a pig and haunted house. Face? No, pigs are fine, but like the pig mask. Oh, she when hates. you see like a human yeah. wearing that, mm-hmm. okay. yeah. you have to scare her on Halloween. Oh, Good dude, luck at that. Yeah, yeah. No. If you value your friendship and your jaw, you will not. She hits. She knows this. She hits like a dude. She hits fucking hard. You just need to get a pig mask with like some earthworms hanging off of it. Oh, Christ. God. Yeah. And explain to Brandy why we can't hang out anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So the next morning, George discovers after coming back from an outing that there are pig-shaped hoof footprints in the snow leading outside of the house and stopping at the window. He also discovers that the large hanging garage door has almost been completely ripped off the hinges, just like the front door had been previously. So they freak out, call Father Mancuso, who now had blisters covering both hands, and proceeds to tell him, uh, and he proceeds to tell George he can no longer help them because he is sicker than a dog. He's out. He's got a flickering 101 to 104 degree fever that just keeps coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. And he's pretty sure that their house is definitely evil. However, since he's a man of the cloth, <laughs> since he's a man of the cloth, he decides to split the difference and he holds a special church service there at his church and blesses the house again, but from the safety of his own church. So like blessing. a remote blessing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because Father Mancuso was still being targeted, him, targeted himself by some supernatural force and had just recently ridded his room at the church rectory of a strange lingering stench of human excrement that lasted for several days. Someone took a shit in the corner. Mm, probably Satan. Or that demon pig. Right. Um, The smell of human feces is said to be a telltale sign of the devil at work. It definitely is when I get (laughs) done. And it's with this that Father Mancuso calls George to let him know he will no longer be helping them and he is going to completely remove himself from the bizarre events at their house or from even helping them anymore. And on the recommendation of the chancellors at the church, he insists that George go straight to the local university for actual scientific support to have their research team come investigate the property and to have historians research the history of the property to see what just happened. And things had gotten even more bizarre for the Lutzes since then, because by now, by now, by now, George has begun to see his wife levitating off her bed at night, sometimes said to be up to two feet off of the mattress. And he claims that even... Spoiler alert, Preston. Two-inch pump. And he claims that he even begins to hear the sound of a full marching band coming from various unoccupied rooms in the house. And he also discovered that there's an old water well that had since been covered up in their basement. 
So with Father Mancuso's recommendation, George reaches out for help from who, Preston? Ghostbusters? No, he calls a co-worker back at his old office who claims to have a girlfriend who's a medium. Oh. oh. I would have called Ghostbusters. <laughs> right. Especially with Zool sleeping above the covers. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Only Zool. <laughs> <laughs> And so this girlfriend comes over and basically says, a lot of people have been murdered here. And she also takes a keen liking to the fact that there's a red room that's hidden in the basement. And she also says there must be an uncovered water well in the basement, too. And there's a strange presence in the house of an old man and an old woman, which may have been what Kathy had been experiencing in the dining room. Because she had another instance where she was in the dining room sitting at the table, and she felt that same familiar presence come behind her and hug her, but it was more masculine, and it wouldn't quite let go of her. So she's able to stand up, turn around, there's nobody there, but this masculine presence is embracing her from the front. Then from behind, she feels another softer embrace around her waist again. It feels like she's being tugged back and forth. So they think this might have been two separate entities fighting over her. So finally, George reaches out for help, and he calls the Psychic Research Institute in North Carolina. Later that night, Kathy's newlywed brother and his wife come to stay the night after their honeymoon, and they stay in Missy's room, where they were awoken that night by the ghost of a little boy sitting on the foot of the bed, crying about how he misses his friend Missy and Jody. So then George and Kathy grab their crucifix and begin walking around the house, reciting the Lord's Prayer and blessing the house themselves. The next morning, Father Mancuso calls to check on them just, you know, to see how they're doing, only to end up yelling at George that he shouldn't have done the whole do-it-yourself house blessing because they're just going to piss off the evil entity that's there. And then the call is cut short again due to Kathy's blood-curdling screaming from upstairs. Upstairs, they discover that the walls are now seeping with some kind of green, gelatinous goo. Slimer. Mm, Ectoplasm, yeah. Yeah. And the whole family spends the rest of the night scooping up the strange slime the best they can and then dumping it out in the back into (laughs) into the canal behind the house. Because, of course, they haven't seen Ghostbusters, too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they didn't think, anything to save any right. of it in a cup or something? We would think. Right. We would think. I would yeah. save like a whole big giant mason yeah. jar. Yeah. I'm sure the hell oh, wouldn't poison the town in the, 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 the creek. I have a hard time believing they got it all. I know. Well, and to me too. Uh, it's like buckets of it. I, in mean, the, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there was any. Right. And in the book, George says that he stuck his finger in the goo and tasted it, expecting it to taste like, you know, something sweet, like a lime jello. And there was no taste at all. It was just a very no. Like, it just tasted like demon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Why would you? Why would you lick it? I don't know. Seventies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a looser time back That's what a true scientist does, Steve. You got to get down in there. No, yeah, it's fine. That's good. Yeah, he's like licking his balls. It's like it's like filling like it's like filling the walls yeah. with the Jeffrey and like get him to the Greek. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> It's like, when you do a Jeffrey, you just got to pet the walls. <laughs> Come on. That evening was quiet, and everyone slept pretty soundly until George wakes up again in the middle of the night to discover that every single window in the house was wide open again, and it was freezing. Well, it's hot in hell, so the demon's got to cool off somewhere. <laughs> right. And so again, the Lutzes ran around gathering up the children who were all dead asleep, shivering with teeth, clattering, chattering, however you want to pronounce that. And ice cold. 
So the whole family slept together in one bed just to warm up so the kids would also be brought back to a safe temperature. Only with Kathy and George to wake up yet again the next morning with unexplained scratches and cuts all across their abdomens, ranging from their pubic areas up to just below their chests and breasts. And then that evening, Danny tried to close one of his windows, and his parents were startled by his blood-curdling cries after his hand is supposedly smashed in the windowsill. And then, of course, you know, it's... We'll talk about this maybe. Or now. Yeah, Yeah, supposedly. They say (laughs) that they took him to the doctor, and the doctor just gave him some pain medicine and said it'll be all right. They describe his hand being smashed flat, almost like a Looney Tune. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like like an accordion. (laughs) 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 But now, so we can talk about the discrepancies right now about that, if you want. I think we should wait. Wait, okay, cool. Yeah, Perfect. I, I That's think because we haven't even brought in our, our, our next character yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the villain of the piece. Yeah, or the hero, yeah, depending right. on your look. Very true. Yeah. And now we're not done with the windows still because the very next night slash morning, they wake up to find that all, sorry, that several windows in the house and doors as well have been smashed in. Window panes and door frames are all destroyed just in time for a hellacious storm to blow in that next afternoon, thus causing the majority of the house to be soaked or flooded, ruining curtains, carpet, and various plates and cupboards in the kitchen. And so George affects... There would be evidence of that. I mean... We would think. Yeah. Did they take a picture? Anytime something floods, it leaves lines. I mean... That's true. That's true. Uh, And so George effectively then goes about the house, nailing as many windows shut and boarding up as many broken windows as he can... And in case you'd forgotten about Jody, what? I was just laughing about the broken oh, windows. Yeah, right. Remind me, I'll, I've got something to say. About Hell yeah. Wow. <laughs> and just in case you'd forgotten about Jody, well, later that night, Missy tells her dad that her friend Jody wanted to talk to him. So he follows his daughter up to her bedroom, where yet again he sees outside the bright red glowing eyes of Missy's best friend Jody staring back at he and Missy. Only a few seconds later to have Kathy come screaming in the room, throwing a toy chair at the window, effectively smashing one of the very few good windows left in the house, and causing whatever it was to go rushing into the darkness, squealing like an injured pig. Look at that, huh? <laughs> on, on command. True Foley artist. <laughs> and the last night in their house begins with a plan. The Lutz family had enough, and they finally loaded everybody into the van upon Father Mancuso's advice. So he finally takes his advice. Just as a wild storm breaks loose, lightning strikes the yard, and the engine decides to not turn over. So from the van, they all run back in the house where they discover it's now lost power, and the temperature begins to get colder and colder as the evening grows darker, and everyone decides to sleep together in one room. That night, George wakes up, first startled by a strange dragging noise up above him. He thinks the two boys' beds are being drugged across the bedroom floor. Then George heard that familiar marching band strike up again in the living room, just as their dresser drawers in the room they're sleeping in begin to open and shut violently across the room. Then he drifts back to sleep, only moments later to be awakened. By the sound of his two boys screaming, Daddy, 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 there's a monster in our bedroom that doesn't have a face. He gets up finally in a daze to go see what they're talking about. And as he's running down the hallway, 
he sees the demon that was in the fireplace, but now standing in the doorway. So he turns around. He tells his sons to get their sister Missy outside. He wakes up his wife. They'll run in the car, and they drive away, finally escaping the house. So the, the whole entire time that the, he's hearing this, like, marching band, does he ever say, like, what song the band's playing? Like, <laughs> does the not. Saints are, you know, like, the, what are the, the Saints <laughs> yeah. are coming in. And, right. And now it's Mr. Crowley. <laughs> right. It's Tusk. Yeah. <laughs> right. So they escape the house and they end up going to stay with is it his mother or her mother? One of their mothers. I think it was her mother. Okay. They didn't the, the in laws didn't live that far away. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, he went to, they went to stay with them that night just to get away. And it says for the first time ever, they all found peace. The kids watching TV. They got a good night's sleep. They finally <clears throat> laid in bed together, not angry, not mad. They embraced each other. And then later that night, they both woke up levitating off of the bed together about, again, two feet off the mattress. They both wake up. They freak out. They start to go downstairs, only to see, just like Ghostbusters, a snake-sized slivering entity of that greenish-black slime making its way up the stairs towards them. And that's where the book pretty much stops. So they claim that this entity followed them to uh, the parents' house, the grandparents' mm-hmm. house. Like, for like for the sake of it, like, some people say it's a hoax. Like, you just abandon your house and all your belongings. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an intense move just for a hoax to possibly make money off of. You know I, mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's, that's the way. I, that's the main thing for me. It's go big or go home in that situation. Yeah. Pretty yeah, much, yeah. It is. It's like <laughs> go big or like, leave home. But like, to involve <laughs> <laughs> like, did they ever interview the kids? Like, did they ever interview the kids, or were they like kind of sensitive on that back in the? They late were 70s? kind of a bartering tool, um, because I mean, with the epilogue of the story, is that a good place to kind of get into things? Yeah, think? We, we can we can get into uh, basically the Lutzes go and talk to a lawyer. And who do they choose? They choose <laughs> Weber, the guy that that defended DeFeo yeah. in the murder. So they go talk to him, and they basically lay out the story to him, and he uses it as blackmail. To we're we're going to have a um, press conference, and they said, "Well, we we don't want publicity." Well, Weber says, "I'm going to either have this press press conference with you, mm-hmm. or." I'm going to send the reporters to talk to your kids at school, and they'll get the story from them. Yeah, one way or another, we're getting the story. So we're going to have this press conference. Because Weber, it's thought that he wants to use this, you know, in his appeal for DeFeo. Mm -hmm. Well, that, and I think, too, later on it comes about that once they decide they truly cannot get, you know, it overturned, they start to decide, well, shit, we can write a book. And so DeFeo and Weber want to start writing a book together, too. So he's trying to get this information at some point just for fodder for his book as well. Because uh-huh. he never got paid out of that insurance you know, yeah. payout. So thinking, well, we can sell a book and make a ton of money. That's and that's crazy. why the Lutzes decided to end their association with Weber. Mm-hmm. Because they, they did not want DeFeo to get any money out of this, right. this right. enterprise for a book. So that, that's probably where they got the idea. We'll, we'll, we'll look at doing a book with someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, with Anson, they didn't work with him quite directly to make this book with Jay Anson to make, you know, the Amityville Horror. But they gave him, what, some 45 minutes of tape that they put together as far as them, you know, reaccounting. I'm sorry, 45 hours of tape of them reaccounting the things they experienced in the house. <coughs> 45 and hours? That's a lot of 45 hours, yeah. 
You know, We've been recording for an hour and about yeah, probably thirty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and so that 45. means that makes you think yeah. like maybe there's more to the story. But something weird that Kathy makes a comment on at some point in the story is that she feels like they're almost simultaneously living in a separate house because she's experiencing these things where she's getting warm embraces. And it feels like a motherly spirit's giving her hugs, and then her husband's just being just. Abarted by yeah, demon. exactly. There's times when he'd wake like. up screaming, you know, I'm being I'm being pulled apart. It's tearing me apart, stuff like that. And she just takes that as basically a direct slap in the face of he's just unwinding, you know, from the inside out from everything he's going through. And going back to like what Steve said about like you know the the just be able to get up and just walk away from everything. Like you know, if it's all fake, like why would you do that? Like, if you go back to, like, the 60s and 70s and you look at that time frame, like, back then, like, even, like, with alien abductions, like, it was really hard for people to come forward and say, you know, hey, this happened to me because how society would view them. Like, today, somebody comes forward and says, hey, I got haunted, you know, I got attacked by a demon. And people are like, hell yeah, tell me more about the story. But yeah. you go back to the 60s <laughs> yeah. and 70s and they're like, dude, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're freaking crazy. Yeah. And so for them to come out and actually say, like, this is the shit that happened, like, eh, maybe it's not and all. Then, and then for, like, it's for me, like, if they were really doing this for hoax to make money off of it, like, they didn't really get much money. At all, like they, mm-hmm. they. I don't think they they thought they were going to get like some big, yeah, big thing. I don't know. I mean, I I do believe that something happened to them. Think I, so? Yeah, I mean, because I think the dude that murdered his family and stuff. I think that dude was just a psychopath, and then I think that uh, evil energy, something happened. Could have drawn from the murders yeah. themselves. Yeah, is what yeah. He, and I, I'm with you. But like, and then the other thing too is like I'm not one of the people that be like, oh, a priest testified and that means that their their word is considered higher than somebody else that's not a priest but like the fact that 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 guy went on went into the court under oath and testified that what what happened to him with the hands and all that yeah and i mean pretty intense yeah after this all blows over you know all this stuff's happening there i left out a lot of the story that supposedly happened to father Moncuso, where he's continuously got supposedly these blisters on his hands and the count, the chancellor and all these higher up peoples in the church are saying, forget about the Lutz family. It's not your problem. Move on. Because they kind of, uh, a couple of them thought it was legitimate, you know, demonic um, entities. The others thought this is just physical um, manifestation of your obsession over these people and your stress. You're stressing out so hard, your body's making boils on your hands. And the other ones are like, no, it's stigmata, it's stigmata. And he has this, uh, it turns into pneumonia at one point. And then towards the end of the story, he basically takes the advice of all his, you know, higher ups and he takes a leave of absence and he just basically takes a vacation. So the last part of the book ends with, uh, you know, him calling up the Lutz to say, how are you? And, oh, it's great. We got out of the house. We finally left. He said, great. I'm going on vacation to stay as a family in like San Francisco. So he really like went and partied with Rick James after that. <laughs> Probably <laughs> slapping. He developed a weird slapping fetish. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's so. With all this happening, you know, the DeFeos, not DeFeos, the uh, the Lutz family stays out of the house for about three weeks. Right around the three week mark, they start looking for somebody to maybe go investigate the house, and that's when they start kind of juggling like, who do we want to come investigate these goings on? And that's when they meet. Well, Doctor Stephen Kaplan yeah. is, is one person they called. They basically. Uh, read an interview that he did in Newsday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out, um, I think it was the Monday, February 16th paper, 1976. Mm-hmm. And that's where uh, Lutz gets the idea, 
I'm going to call Stephen Kaplan. He's he's got a parapsychology um, uh, investigation PhD. group. Oh yeah, yeah, and he and he was in the newspapers, and he's talking about the Amityville because they yeah. asked him about Amityville, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Well, I'd really like to know what went on there." So Lutz gets a hold of him and says, "Hey, you know, I'm looking for somebody to basically come investigate. Yeah, we left the house. We want someone to come in and just, you know." Tell us if it's haunted. Yeah, because at that point, they want to get their stuff back. They don't want to yeah. leave it, but they're like, everything's left exactly the way it is. We just need to be able to get back in there. We want someone else to go in there and experience, you know, the happenings. Something yeah. so yeah. that we can justify. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, what Kaplan comes forward and tells him that basically, I'm going to do this, but if I even get the slightest whiff of this being a hoax or you're putting this on or you're faking any part of this, I will blast you publicly yeah. and ruin you because you're wasting my time. Because he was, you know, he took himself pretty seriously. At, at that time, he was he was not just um, into the paranormal. He mm-hmm. was also into researching vampires. Right, right. He founded the Vampire Research Society. Right, He right. wrote a yeah. book uh, that came out around the time of this called Vampires Are, mm-hmm. which is incredibly hard to get. <laughs> right. But he discusses the... Um, the whole ritual they had of actually investigating vampires. Gamo. The secrecy <laughs> that they figured out that they were putting themselves in huge risk by going sure, out yeah. and interviewing people. Sure, yeah. Because I mean, uh, at that time, you're either interviewing legitimate vampires or you're interviewing psychopaths and sociopaths. Yeah. You know. And they realized that very quickly when they realized they went to an address and they met someone. Fact. And they're like, oh, nobody knows we're here. And we're so, dead. Yeah. yeah. If, if oh, the yeah. person had, you know, ulterior motives, they could have been dead at that point. Easily. Yeah. No so problem at all. They sure. created a, a standard of people know where we're at. They're going to call. They're going to check on us. Mm-hmm. And he carried this into his uh, paranormal research as well. Right. So right. he he had a whole plan for this situation. Um, Lutz got scared. Basically, a couple days later. Mm-hmm. Basically because the Lutzes had done a press conference, uh, Kaplan talked to the media. Right. Lutz got very upset that he had talked to the media. And said, I, I didn't want this publicized. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if you think about it, if you're going to commit a hoax, you don't want to be the guy running around saying, hey, the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. You want to be the reluctant witness mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. people draw it out of you. Right. So he canceled the meeting with uh, Kaplan, and that's when he got Ed and Lorraine Warren involved. Did right. Kaplan ever step foot in the house to investigate? Later, he yeah. did. A couple of different times he was in the house. Yeah. Because now, I mean, really, you you have to pick a side almost. Are you team Kaplan or are you team Warren? Warren. <laughs> <laughs> and are you guys I, split on it? Because I yeah. know you're a big vampire fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more of team Kaplan on this. Yeah. On this. Ooh, split. Now, split the room here. Yeah. The, in my yeah, opinion, the Warrens made their bones on this case. Uh-huh. They did. They, this they, was their, their This, this broke them. They, they went on to do the Enfield haunting. Mm-hmm. They went on to do the, the Schnedeker house, mm-hmm. I think. And mm-hmm. So what do, you think they're, do you, what do you think is more famous for them, the doll or this this thing? Oh, the doll. The, the doll. doll. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. The doll is something you can tote around. You can show to people. You can have people over and be like, look at the doll in the cage. You can't be like, hey, come with me. Let's take a quick day trip down to yeah. Amityville and... I mean, what what is in their their uh, little museum of of horrors? Nothing from the Amityville case, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, nothing if that I, I remember. Um, Maybe some dirt or something. No. If you go back and look at what Ed <laughs> like, Lorraine uh, bag- Baggins with yeah. that with that hell house. Well, Ed, Ed, Ed says that during the investigation, there's a demon in the house. Uh-huh. Correct. 
And yes. Lorraine doesn't want to participate in the seances. Uh, seances. Well, so, yeah. but that that goes against what we know about her later on. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But she feared it, and she wasn't the only one sensitive. I, I call them sensitive. Or did sure, she yeah, just yeah, get better at it later? Well, no, yeah. They, uh, oh, no, <laughs> no, you didn't. Yep. I love it. I yeah. love it. No, she wasn't the only one affected that had sensitive. Were psychic abilities. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, they had other people in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're jumping forward a bit. They, they actually, they Lutz has actually allowed um, a news crew mm-hmm. to come in yeah. with Edward Ray Morin and with another medium. Yes. And that was when all of this happened. I think the the Ed and Lorraine came in a couple of times. I think. Yeah, they came in a few times, and they invited the film crew and. You know, all your mediums started getting sick, and their stomachs were hurting. And you know, at one point they had a séance, and she Lorraine. saw things. She yeah, saw the through the eyes of the killer, and that was what was so disturbing to her. Mm-hmm. Well, and something else that needs to be mentioned too. Um, Couldn't she have just read the news headlines though? And... No, she. Well, was. that's the weird part because there was an interview that was published in Good Housekeeping that the Lutzes. Basically, call, basically, they were very unhappy this was published. They didn't want this published. And there are discrepancies in their story in the Good Housekeeping article and some of the other things they've told to Weber, some of the things that they've told uh, Jay Hansen for the, for the book. Yeah, things how, were how, left out, and she, yeah, so like, she so, was able to reveal those wow, things. that's crazy. Mm-hmm. How it, would she know? Yeah, because back then, like, public record, I mean, now we get everything online. You right. know, it's so easy to get it back then. Like, it'd be pretty impressive for Ed and Lorraine Warren to go into Absolutely. that that much dedication to go down there, read the court transcripts. As the, you know, there. Well, it did shake her to her very foundation, <laughs> yeah. actually, because of the. She actually felt the presence of demon mm-hmm. of the demon. I also think in the as the one directing her through this. To when they were, I was watching that documentary, and like they had them on there. Did you notice, like? They, like all the other interviews, the cameras like this. But for Ed and Lorraine Warren, it's like this. Oh, <laughs> really? To was make it? her more like yeah. Yeah, all mysterious. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the documentary we're talking about is called Amityville Horror or Hoax. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's, it's on cool. YouTube to watch for. It's non- about forty-five minutes. I think non-profit. Uh, yeah, free. free but they were they were so confident in their yeah. discoveries. They were willing to go on TV with. Yeah. That guy that you're talking about, and, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, that well, guy. That we'll talk about that. Guy. There was not much willingness in that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they uh, on February 18th they went with Channel Five News, and that's when they filmed that special. And the cameraman goes on record saying that he thought it was one of the most boring assignments he's ever been on. That yeah. he just felt like you know we don't have it, so to speak, meaning like we Let's, don't have a, a lead on anything. Yeah, and then that's what, and then that's when Ed was like. Was like, see, that's that's garbage because just because one person, like, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like if if I did join Preston on one of his readings one night, he goes somewhere. Like, I think that's how I would feel. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be like, this is so fucking boring because I'm not sensitive to that type of stuff. Right. And then I I do think that like, or I want to believe that when people do feel like my buddy Dave and his wife Steph were listeners of the show and like they felt things. And when they say things, I'm like, I'm just like, that sounds so silly. But I don't, I think that energies, spirits, whatever, 
show themselves to different people. Right, and they you know? call them sensitive. Yeah. And you know if you are one, you definitely And then do. I think you're not, because you of that, that media, the, the news broadcaster or whatever, I mean, I think they're going to go into that anyway with a negative dis- uh, yeah. a negative view yeah. on it. Yeah. So they're not going to be subjected to that well, either. Yeah, because you've got the, what do they say, the believers don't need the evidence and the atheists believe there is no evidence. No right. evidence is good enough. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the agnostics who just say, until you slap me in the face in the sewing room. I believe you. Is that how you feel, Brady, when you went to the, cre- uh, the Crescent in Eureka Springs? It was called the Crescent, right? Yeah. In Eureka Springs. Like, did you go in there, like, completely, like, it was a waste of fucking time. There's going to be no spirits. Like, because you're pretty skeptic on all that stuff, right? And I, I had a few beers. Yeah, right, right. Oh, that's right. funny. He's like, it was my honeymoon. My, newly, <laughs> my newly wedded wife wanted to do it. What was I going to do? That's right. Yeah. But, you know, like, so sometimes, like, I've, I've gone and we've had, like, you know, like a medium with us. And for me, it really depends on who the medium is because, like, one of my old associates thought her house was haunted. So her uh, daughter's best friend's mom was. A medium and so she came over to the house and Dolores was like she doesn't listen so this story's fine she's <laughs> like I want you to like you know do your ghost stuff and see if it matches up with what she said so we're, we're like down in this basement and this lady's like there was a man he's right over in that corner and he's about six feet and she's just like detailed was it the same lady from the museum of shadows no because <laughs> it sounds like her yeah he's always busting fresh yeah. balls that's about, yeah. about his this is this is how I feel about some psychic mediums okay so she I mean she was just going like left and right like really pretentious about all this stuff and it's like yeah I'm not getting anything and I'm just like I was just really annoyed like just because you could just really tell this woman was full of shit but then we've gone you know to other or whatever and then just you know how they how they say it and how they present it and kind of make you feel a little bit different about it so i mean if you're like really like super over the top forget it i'm out like you're just full of shit like when you go to the psychic fairs and there's that guy in the corner with the, the light bed with like I'm gonna realign your chakras, and the blue light's gonna touch you. And I'm, I'm so. I'm, do you believe that the Ed and Lorraine Warren side of things, or do you believe the the hoax theory? With I'm fi- I'm on the fence. I'm like fifty fifty. Yeah. We haven't presented all the evidence yet. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. I think me personally, real quick, I feel like Ed and Lorraine Warren are just like Nostradamus. He made a thousand predictions, and five came true. So I think personally, Ed and Lorraine have discovered some really neat evidence they've had some cool encounters but i mean you're bound to strike gold eventually you know but i, I always wonder how much they really hawk it up a little bit but we also have ghost hunters the story of Ed lorraine warren i'm excited to read so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'm not completely you against them you guys can have your own opinions <laughs> no i find them intriguing I, yeah I, <laughs> up until that thing like i don't know much about the story but up until that documentary i didn't know they had anything to do with this i will, yeah. i just know them from the conjuring well, movies and, 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 and stuff, some so. people didn't realize hans holzer had anything to do with it yeah. Yeah. i know and yeah. see that backs her up too yeah. well we can flash and forward like a little bit still, yeah 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 take the lead um basically the jay anson book comes out mm-hmm and Stephen Kaplan, of course, buys first edition, mm-hmm. gets it. Then when the paperback comes out, he, he's still been 
saying this isn't real. The man can't let it go. (laughs) I mean, the man went to the house. Uh When they were selling the house, he went up like a prospective buyer and toured the house. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, daylight, nothing's going to happen, right, Mm -hmm. if it's haunted. Mm -hmm. But he had a couple people with him, and it's like, no big deal. This is just a regular house. So he's looking through the house, and he... He's noticing that the door still on the hinges. That's weird. I thought, you know, the mm-hmm. door had been torn off. The door got off. blown off from the inside, yeah. yeah. Come to find out, it was a screen door that got ripped off, which is not uncommon in on Long Island. Right, with the amount of wind yeah. they have, they're right yeah. by a canal. So yep. that was one in- inaccuracy that he's like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at the windows and the putty, all the putty on all the windows is the same age. There's no replacement panes. Oh. Yeah. And in the book, they talk about how... Broken um, panes. Broken panes. They talk about how one of their neighbors was a... Uh, I forget the proper term for it. It's not a mason with bricks, but basically a window a glazer. Like, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I knew there's a word for it. He was a glazer, and he yeah. came and showed up to help fix the house. And there's even yeah, a nice... Are a glazer? <laughs> there's a... There's a... Well, he must yeah. be a good glazer because he aged that putty. He, he aged the putty, like yeah. the rest of the putty on all the other windows. Right. And there's a nice heartfelt moment where he says, you know what? Uh, it's, it's on me. We'll settle up later. You're a neighbor, so don't worry about it. Yeah. So it's yeah, a lot of work so that never happened. We don't know. Possibly, it depends what team you're on. Yeah, they, they talk about <laughs> team Kaplan. So Stephen Kaplan <laughs> didn't mention anything about the windows. He, Kaplan's at the bookstore and he sees the paperback. Uh huh. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll spend two dollars and twenty five cents just get the paperback. He brings it home, doesn't think about it. His then, I think by then, wife. Uh, uh-huh. She's in the documentary we talked about, Roxanne. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she just comes up with the idea, hey, we should uh, just compare the books. We should start a book club. We should just compare <laughs> compare the first edition to the paperback. Right. So she starts just going through word for word. Mm-hmm. And in the book that uh, was published right after Stephen Kaplan passed away called The Amityville Horror Conspiracy, uh, there's on page 128, there's four and a half pages of inaccuracies that they talk about. Yeah. That's because uh, you have that book in front yeah. of you, and that's how I just learned that my faithful copy is not a first edition. So, yeah, it, it, lists, it lists things like uh, the, the Vega that they say in the, in the hardback, uh-huh. the original hardback that the, the priest drove. Yeah. Uh, well, that opens the opposite way. There's no way. Yeah, the hood opens the hood. away from so, the windshield. In the paperback, they changed it to a tan four. But if it's really diabolicals doing it, it can go whichever way. See, it has and that's to go. yeah. The way I read this <laughs> was <laughs> yeah. that's you. true. I read I read this and it says the <laughs> welding gave way and the hood swung back. Yeah, and broke it. So, but I have read some sources saying that the priest, because he had to call a fellow priest to pick him up on the side of the highway. That priest claims that even driving home. His wipers started coming on, on the, by themselves as well, and so he was a little bit touched by the phenomenon too. See, I mean, my wipers come on by themselves, <laughs> but it's just because I drive an old Ford. So, <laughs> so it's just inconsistencies like between oh, the two. Oh no, changed. Yeah, changed. Things, mm-hmm. great, Things were big. Like, um, I'll just pick one at number thirteen, um, page ninety-two, ninety-three of the hardcover. Uh, he says in the original version, Mancuso is reading his medical journals on psychotherapy when he notices reddish stains on the magazine and then sees that his palms are smeared with blood. Now, in the Bantam paperback edition, Mancuso is reading a subscription magazine 
uh, just to just to distract his mind, and mm-hmm. he notices a slight discoloration on the magazine and sees that the blisters on his hands are ready to burn. And that's the copy that I have because yeah. there's nothing about blood. Because when I read on Google, like on Wikipedia, it talks about how he had the stigmata, and I'm like, bloody hands. Yeah. And then it's like he just had some pussy blisters, then, yeah, just some weeping blisters. Stigmata's in the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's <laughs> quite a few other changes where a lot of a lot of things are changed. Basically, that. Anytime there was a possible witness, well, all of a sudden it was changed to just him. Things oh. like that. Oh, okay. Because I was like, because like what? Because like I have the stand, for example, like Stephen King. Like Brady just recently gave me the version that's not the uncut and unabridged version. So it it's one of the first editions. So it doesn't have like all the stuff that he basically he gives us like preface at the beginning of the uncut version. These are like little side stories and extra conversations that the characters had within the world, blah, blah. I took it out of there because I was afraid that this big of a book would turn readers off. In fact, it was the complete opposite. Mm. They wanted more. They loved the big idea of how grand the book was. So that's why he added it. But this, Amityville Horror, it's listed as a nonfiction, sold as a nonfiction Mm -hmm. book, correct? Yes. Yes. So then when it, so then I was like, oh, maybe they're just doing like a revision. Like they'll, Take little things to make the book shorter or whatever. Because Sean mentioned oh, no. that it was a it it reads like a the seventh grade reading level. Seventh eighth grade reading. The level. intro bit actually the foreword I think was harder to get through than the actual book. <laughs> yeah, so that's why when it was like oh there's all these in, indiscrepancies and shit like that, I was like well maybe they're just doing that to make it an easier read for people. <laughs> yeah. But then you just said the stuff they changed could be that any kind of cooperating witness. You know that could back up them claims were changed, so that it was only Lutz was Lutz or the this the priest or priest. whatever yeah. could 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 give that. But I don't know. It's just it's just weird. I just weird. I, I don't like the idea of thinking that, like I said earlier, like a man of the cloth would his testimony would be any more credible than just a random dude like Lutz. Mm-hmm. But like. Yeah. Back in these days, it kind of... To a jury, it makes a great difference. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. especially back yeah. in the day because, and especially Catholic, you know, Catholicism with priests, like, they're looked at as, like, taking a higher oath than any other type of clergy. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. historically, when you look at crucifixes, you know, the nails, the holes yeah. are always right here in the palm. But in real life, if you were to actually nail somebody there, they would just fall off. You just go right here. So you got to go yeah. through. You actually have to go through the <laughs> like carpet room. What, was, right what here. was the movie where they did that? Didn't we just watch somewhere they split a hand? Or was that Evil Dead? The ghost ship. So they, no, in, in Evil Dead, don't they split a hand like this? So when they talk about when they when they talk about stigmata, they said the reason why a lot of people who claim to suffer from stigmata, the reason why they get the the holes right there, is because um, they've been kind of like pre-programmed because of their whole life they've grown up seeing the the you know the wounds right there that that's where their mind perpetuates that wound is right there instead mm-hmm. of where it should really go which is through the wrist well, then. in the movie yeah. stigmata don't they talk about they talk about that thing right well right she has in the movie doesn't she have she actually there? gets them right there yeah yeah right there and yeah. that freaks everybody out yeah. But yeah. It didn't in stigmata she end up being possessed right Oh yeah, by the uh, the the <laughs> priest of the or the spirit of the priest, the yes, Catholic priest, which is not a good thing yeah. in this movie. 
So yeah, there you yeah. go. Right. <laughs> well, even even the account that happens in Jay uh, Jay's book, it differs from what they originally put out in that Good Housekeeping interview as well. I just think you it's know. awesome that some of those creepies in Good Housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they thought <laughs> Good Housekeeping. Would... It's like, yeah. all right, guys, we're yeah. going to get an article in highlights. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> there's there's glass even, of wine. Find the differences this. between this story <laughs> and this story. Well, there's even something they forgot to admit uh-huh. on page one thirty six. They uh, forgot to admit the reference to the bleeding palms, even though they took all oh. of the other references to blood out. So they're not even consistent in their lies, according I to Stephen Cowell. It, like, it was so weird watching that <laughs> documentary, so and like the you know they obviously didn't have Kaplan's name right. Stephen they, Kaplan, yeah. yeah, they didn't have him in there because he'd already passed, but they had his his wife. It just I got the I got the vibe that like they just had such a hard on to 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 break this guy's story and to discredit him and the Warrens and the priest. And you're just like, man. Okay, we'll flash forward a little bit. The The house was sold to a couple called the Cromarties. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they they lived in the house for about two years. And the only haunting they really had was the tourists that would show up around 3.15 in the morning mm-hmm. and yell and scream, get out, you know, show us Jody, where's Jody. That'd be annoying. It, it, it annoyed that them to a great deal. Mm-hmm. So the second time Stephen Kaplan came to the house was the Halloween party that they had where um, uh, they had a house sitter named Frank. By this time, the Cromartys had moved out. Frank Birch was watching the place basically to make sure nobody broke in overnight. And he definitely they had a, he would definitely be their house sitting yeah. on oh, Halloween. So, yeah. It could be so when he tried to mess with it. <laughs> Frank came to the Halloween party dressed as George and Kathy Lutz, just a half you know, half like beard, yeah. yeah, like Two Face. Who did this uh, guy? Frank Birch. The I've got a picture in the book. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. And then uh, there's other pictures in the book, including a picture of the Red Room, which is surprisingly small. It's very small, like a little but outcropping. There's, there's one guy crouching in the room, and there's not much room for anything else, including pagan ceremonies or was it red? The red is actually peeling off at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Looks like it had been painted with some really bad blood. paint. The blood room. So, and it was yeah. just basically an access to pipes. Overall, mm-hmm. if so. it is if it is a hoax, you got to give them credit that they did the hoax just well enough to make people think: is it, it true or is it not? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, true. And I don't know, but I'm. Well, there's rumors that they. You think you mentioned a little bit earlier. There's rumors that they met. The Lutzes met with Weber and concocted this over some wine. That's what Weber yeah. later attested to. That yeah, it right. was all done as a hoax. It was mm-hmm. all done to basically make money. It's a business enterprise. Yeah, I don't know. But then, what about Ed and Lorraine and the Hoosier file? Oh, Holzer, Hans Holzer, Hoosier file. Now, Hoosier. He had a now, show called Hoosier. Web, oh, okay. So okay. Weber, Sorry, that's how I knew it. Weber got Hans Holzer involved because he wanted Hans Holzer to basically say that Ronnie was possessed. This was a case of possession. Oh, I see. I see. And Holzer said that he wasn't brought in for that, but we don't know. He wrote books based on Amityville, mm-hmm. so he also profited. Oh, I see. So I there's see. quite a few people that profited from this at the mm-hmm. time, including the Lutzes. Uh, later on, really, the though. well, the the Lutzes, I think uh, they said like a quarter of a million. Is the, what they about made. a quarter yeah. of a million was made by the Lutzes, and then most of that was taken by court cases. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. There was and a court case that was what, 
And I really liked at the end of the documentary, she puts, uh, she says, Lutz's wife says, because like, not to just not to make fun of her, nothing, but like she looked like she was in kind of bad health. She had like some oxygen mask on, and like Lorraine, no, um, uh, Kathy Kathy, yeah, yeah, she had Kathy. emphysema. Yeah, yeah they so, smoked I mean, a lot. I mean, she in the looked, book, it's like, and then Kathy lit a cigarette, and then yeah. Kathy went to the kitchen and lit a cigarette. Yeah, okay, it makes yeah. some sense. So it, it's she's like a heavy smoker. Or something. Yeah. yeah, she had because a- she was on oxygen, and I mean. She had that look of like someone smoking, I mean, like really dry skin, like sunken in bone, sunken in cheekbones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she said when she was talking about uh, dude's wife, the the naysayer, she's like, "Look, like this is my testimony," and she's like, "I'm a firm believer in there's a difference between testimony and opinion, and when somebody gives a testimony, you should take them for what they say and believe them because anything other than I'm paraphrasing this." Anything other than a testimony is just an opinion. And if you're going to give an opinion about this, how dare you say that my testimony isn't isn't oh, is, wow. isn't real? And it, I mean, cut. and it, it was it was a deep cut. Like it was really emotional. Like they kind of zoomed in on her face, and you can clearly tell that. Like I don't know. I she just, was haunted. By yeah, well, they, they took lie detector like, tests. Yeah, and, and they passed, passed the lie detector yeah. tests. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Boom. 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 But yeah. if you tell yourself a lie long enough, You'll it eventually it. becomes the truth. Yeah. No. Yeah, you I can tried, pass a lie detector test. I've tried. Test. tried. Yeah. <laughs> you fail lie detector test based <laughs> on that. It's like saying, okay, I really only wear a size five. Really? You can't make yourself believe yeah. that. <laughs> it's, de- it's definitely definitely interesting to see the how all, all that stuff folded out. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, Stephen I, Kaplan did go on a lot of radio shows, a lot of TV shows, trying to basically debunk the entire but thing. But then yeah. that, to me... Is he's profiting just? He, he was. He's doing on, the exact thing that he says player. that they're doing. But he's but he's taking the counterpoint, <laughs> yeah. which he was upset because when they did in search of, I guess they did an episode of in search of with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, they could find nobody to take the counterpoint. He's like, hey, I'm over here. Yeah. So eventually, he gets on a radio show with George Lutz. Wow. And oh, yeah. was it heated? Uh, well, yeah, it he, wasn't friendly. Yeah. The first thing he did is he basically. Uh, got George to say that the exaggeration of being levitating two feet off the bed was actually about two inches. Still uh, crazy. It's yeah. still yeah. levitating. In that moment, like in that moment when you're when you're levitating. Yeah, like you're telling. Yeah. You're, you're, how do you know how many inches off the bed you are? Inches, but well, I mean, yeah, don't get hung. Don't get hung up difference. on the inches to the feet. That's Think what she about. Said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Think about like like you're describing this happening to you. You're gonna be what's the hyperbole or whatever? Hyperbole. Like, yeah, hyperbole. Yeah, you're gonna be you're, like yes. you're gonna be over sensationalizing yes. it. Like, oh my god, you was fucking levitating two feet. When it really if is I two inches. You were levitating. Yeah. I don't give a yeah. shit. Like yeah. it could be I, a I, centimeter. I, I might make it sound hey, like what a guy does in his room alone is. Leslie, <laughs> Leslie, <laughs> Leslie would call us and be like, John's levitating two inches to two feet. Why does it feather? Yeah. John's levitating over the bed and. Oh my god! It might and be that's the feet. drama. <laughs> it might be two inches. Yeah. Well, and then and then Kaplan asked him about the uh, the fact that the hand that the kid's hand was crushed in the window. Right. So he says, "So you rushed him to Brunswick Hospital," and George like, "Yes." And he's like, oh, "Okay, so you you actually took him to Brunswick Hospital?" And George says, "Yes." And and Stephen Kaplan basically, "Oh, okay. Well, then we can look up uh, hospital records. records. We can yeah. get your medical records. We can prove that you actually went to Brunswick Hospital. Did you go? No." 
We wrapped his hand up and then took him to a doctor. So they changed his story well, right then, his then and there. Because right. there's right. a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And That's, the way they describe it to you was it was flattened. Yes. Yeah. Which is bizarre. But then they said the doctor said the bones weren't broken. Just here takes this take the mate. No, sorry, take the pain medicine and keep it wrapped. Essentially, what they said. And I, I think the video footage is still online where there was a TV uh, interview, and they called George or no, they 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 called Stephen Kaplan in, and a couple of people canceled. All of a sudden, into the green room walks Lorraine Warren, freaks out. When she sees Stephen Kaplan. Oh, really? So there's a video interview where they go at it. Yeah, because it became kind of a uh, a public slandering because the, the Warrens would turn around and be like, what does he even know? He's a vampirologist. What the hell's yeah. that? Right on. And then people, the- and people also, <laughs> I mean, to stand on Leslie's side, people also gave Kaplan a lot of shit because they're like, well, when you do your investigations... What um, electronics do you use? What kind of gear do you use? But his retort was really smart. He says, that's not my area of expertise. I'm not, you know, a ghost hunter. I don't use, you know, any kind of gear. I just yeah. go in and take a his look around. People, his people use the gear. He's the parapsychologist. Exactly. He's like, I'm a parapsychologist. The people that I work with will use their own gear. Well, he doesn't even use the gear, blah, blah, blah. What's so yeah. crazy to me is that, is like, if I'm going to, if if I was in a room of Ed Lorraine Warren Stephen Guy, blah blah blah, and like they're telling me all these stories. I'm gonna probably be like more interested in Ed Lorraine's because I kind of want to believe because that bun she has on top yeah, of it. Yeah, that, <laughs> and, and they're very like char- they're very character character people. <laughs> but like, I just when it comes to like the vampire stuff, like I don't see. I'm with him. It's very that. hard to but believe. Then, that you know, yeah, like you're married to the a biggest house, vampire, a house lover divided that I know, and like, so like, I look well, at, say yeah, like, yeah. so like, I don't know, I look at, I look at the fact that like, it's really hard for me to believe that this dude's a vampire, vampirologist, whatever you want to call it, and you know, he's like interviewing these people that are really vampires and stuff, and especially now that I've watched. Uh, into the kid? shadows or whatever. Yeah. What we oh do in the my, shadows. Oh, oh my, my god! Gosh, it's well, and so as soon as I watched that, I started thinking about him and yeah. and Robert and that book. And I'm like, is this what these people are really like? Like, <laughs> if you if you read his vampire book, he he's very skeptical of the true existence of vampires. Uh-huh. What he's he's interested in is the fact that people live as vampires, drink blood. What are they like? And there's only one case where he had someone who was a possible vampire. And Which is what makes that book so coveted. The, the, it's, a, it's a woman named Elizabeth mm-hmm. who oh, claims yeah, yeah. to be hundreds of years old and she talks in an old English type way and he tries to trip her up so many times. And that whole chapter of that it. book is just phenomenally interesting. I've, yeah. I've, I've read PDFs of it and it's... It's compelling, to say the least. We'll cover that on another episode. It's, it's I still good. that that day was so weird. Like I never, Brady, you were there for that, right? When we went to Roberts, were you there for that? No, no, that was, was us that was three. Okay, was oh three. Robert, yeah, Robert Esau Rutherford. Yeah, and it, and he pulled up this book, and and at that time I was like, what the fuck? Like this guy's got it in his safe, and like I'm like, what is this? And then. <laughs> And he then lost so many copies. Yeah, and then letting, yeah. letting them out. Yeah, and then and then he tells us the story. And I'm like, whoa! And then and then I remember. I think you commented on it or something. And I was like, wow, that's pretty. That's actually pretty interesting. But like, it's just weird to me that this guy is going so hard on discrediting the Warrens, the Lutzes. Like, it's like 
But dude, you believe in vampires, like, like I mean, ultimately, like right. to, to be very nerds. blunt about it, it's just a nerd fight. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. You know? It is. <laughs> it's like who can flex the hardest. Yeah, you know, I mean, pretty like, much. Like I can just yeah. imagine. Can you imagine if Howard Stern was around back then? Oh, I gotta get these people on my show. Gosh. Have them go at it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry Springer. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's weird. So, I mean, at the end of the day, what's what's the verdict then? I mean, Kaplan went to the grave swearing this didn't happen. He he swears that is the least haunted house in America. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, six well, murders happened be, there. But it could be if the demon followed the family. True. And that's, and that's the weird part because if the demon followed the family to the next house, why wasn't that house famous? That's right. true. Yeah, and I in fact, know. the Cromarties or who the bought the house, the, yeah. yeah, they they sued and got an out of court settlement against the Lutzes. Yeah. So that's where some of the money the Lutzes made went. Yeah, oh, interesting. Because Man. they sued because their house Privacy became a tourist issues. attraction. Maybe, th- maybe the demon was like, "My work here is done." Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> check out it out. It was Beetlejuice, wasn't it? <laughs> See, that's, the, that's the basis of the second book that. <laughs> the demon followed them, and this whole thing happened to them all over again in oh, California. Oh, wow. But they Which, were afraid to tell anyone because, look, they can't afford if, it. But if, <laughs> but if you're looking to make more money off something, I mean, the sequ- money's in the sequel. I mean, that's why you okay. have the uh, all those tabloids, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I think if, news. if anything paranormal happened, that if you look at 90% of the poltergeist cases, all the poltergeist cases that happen always happen with uh, like a large family. So you always have to have like, you know, like a teenage girl, a teenage boy. <laughs> you got to have a preteen daughter. And uh-huh. just the reason why those those hauntings are happening is because the, subconsciously they have this like built up energy and it's being released. And all so, the hormones. And, and so if you think about, you, you know. Angst. The, yeah. This, yeah, this just growing up and the angst and everything and the stress that they're going under, like, how, how do they deal with it? Well, subconsciously, they kind of release this psychic energy. So, and you know, the, brain, the, the, and the haunting is like constantly forming. Yeah. And, and the haunting in that house revolved around that little girl whose imaginary friend was the pig. Jody. And then, you know, the next family that moves in, well, it's just like a husband and wife. They didn't have a kid. So, of course, they didn't experience anything. And then, you know, the DeFeos. I mean, they're under like a lot of stress, so maybe there was some haunt, you know, poltergeist activity going on, and maybe the kid took too much LSD, flipped his wig, and shot everybody. But you know, is there an actual demon? Probably not. But to say that there's not an actual haunting going on, you know, even in poltergeist activity, there that entity that you create, that tulpa, still interacts with mm-hmm. the ghost hunters, still yeah, interacts the with psychics, you know, the the, form. yeah. And they even talk about the possible ancient burial ground, like in. That was fake. Yeah, that was never. Yeah, so that because they wouldn't, but they wouldn't bury too close to the to the to the waters or to running water. water. Yeah, but then that one dude in the documentary got on there that was part of that. A tribe. Yeah, he was a tribe. Saying that erosion takes place and water tables change. Yeah, so that. That could some have been of it. and some of some of their burial grounds could very well be underwater, yeah. but we don't know if there yeah. ever was Getting any there. The polter, on a poltergeist thing, if you let it go long enough, won't it become a very profitable movie series? Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, if you put enough, if you put enough thought and energy to it, the belief is yes, it will become its own separate entity. Like there's a bunch of plantations down south where for you know, hundreds of years, there was a tale of a, you know, a slave named Sarah 
who you know got hanged on the property and her ghost haunts the property so then every time they do this tour everybody goes through and they talk about Sarah and people put so much belief in Sarah this slave that got hanged that when they go do the actual tours you'll have ghost hunters that hold up the EVP and you'll get a voice like hi my name is Sarah that's because so many people have put that thought into it that yes, it's become its own separate entity. It's like a gestalt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Enough people believe in Santa Claus, like maybe you know they've created a thought for him, and like you know that's why little kids look out oh. their window and see a fat guy yeah. running around on a sleigh, right? Because we've actually created it. So mm-hmm. that was just me running down the street. You don't <laughs> run. Yeah. I don't run. Yeah. So my my You've question. Got a sleigh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, my he slays every is, day. What, who here? What, would you guys so all does buy? Ryan DeFeo, am I right? Would you guys all buy a house That's where a where where a heinous crime oh, happened? Hell if, no. If you got it at a really good deal, I don't no. care how cheap it was. If I was trying to flip it, I don't care. <laughs> it, would, it would always would be in your mind. Yeah. Okay, time. your situation right now. You got you guys are gonna start looking in prior to the place. If something came up and it was like the perfect setup where you had your own office, kids had their own rooms, you had a great deal on it, but you a whole family was murdered there. Dollars. whole family was murdered there. Yeah, and you get it for well, $30,000. You, 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 you knowing my wife, do you think that that was ever going <laughs> to be But awesome. occasionally green jello does leach okay. through the ceiling. Let's do, <laughs> let's do, let's do a thing. breaks from the inside yeah. out. You go to look at the house. <laughs> yeah. You go to look at the house. You're like, oh, this is such a good deal. It's crazy. What's the catch? And then the broker tells you, but not your wife. She'll find me. You've never been married. married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Sinister? That's yeah. a bad idea. That's a real bad yeah. idea. That's a good yeah. movie, though. Well, and speaking of the Jello, there's a whole other fact about the, yeah. the, George the, uh, Lutz. the ectoplasm. Okay. George Lutz actually had to testify in the uh, Cromarty case. And uh, one of the things he uh, conceded was the green gym was more like Jello. That he could not identify the face he saw in his daughter's window as a pig with red eyes. That the drums and horns he heard in the living room were not accompanied by stomping feet. In other words, not a marching band. Damn. Uh, the demon in the fireplace was really only something very ugly etched in the bricks. And then the last but not least was him stating in court that he uh, told Stephen Kaplan on the Brian Dow show that Kathy only levitated two inches off the bed, not two feet. And the whole crowd's like, boo! And I'm like, so you still fucking yeah. levitated. Yeah. And, and you wonder why they settled out of court. Right, right, right. Damn. Wow. Yeah. But to me, like, some of those facts were really were really just graphing. But uh, he said that the white demon yeah. was in their parents' house. Yeah. Yeah, the slime, they said that after the second levitating event, that ha- or the, the new levitating event that happens in the in-laws' house, they open up the door, they go to the top of the stairs, and up you know, creeping up the steps is that green ectoplasm yeah, so making its way back towards them. But that just seems well, like a nice epilogue. Some, yeah, I mean, when she says some se- of it, you yeah. got to set up part two. Wait, what about mom? What about <laughs> yeah. grandma and grandpa? Aren't they there to uh, say, they, hey, yeah. this happened? Yeah, now, now, Stephen Kaplan did say that one of the kids, someone purporting to be one of the kids, contacted him and said, Look, this is all BS. My dad. He's a terrible I want drunk. to tell. I want to, this is like years and years later. I want to tell the true story. Uh-huh. His dad passed he's away. He's wanting to get paid for his mom because he's saying his mom's in poor health, uh, and he's trying to get money for his mom. Uh, and he never contacted Stephen again. So nobody knows if that was really uh, one of the kids or just somebody. Yeah. Isn't that convenient? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I know also one of the big changes, and we can argue this is to keep you know anonymity. 
In Amityville, they also talk about how the dad, uh, George, frequents a bar called the Witch's Brew. And that was never a bar. Yeah. Um, I think it was called like Henry's or whatever the bar was that uh, – well, That's the same place Ronnie DeFeo used the to same, Yeah, because there, there's also stuff in there too. You know, Supposedly Ronald's uh, – not Ronald's uh, – George's appearance is changing. and He lets his hair grow out. He's growing a beard and then he goes into the bar and the barkeep actually says – well, weren't you in here not too long ago? You look real familiar. And everyone says, he looks a lot like Ronnie. And supposedly it's the spirit of Ronnie maybe taking over him, making him want to grow the beard out and be a little more unkempt and wild. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I'm George. I own the house up there. And all oh, people were murdered up there. And yeah. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. yeah. And then he starts studying the occult. Yeah. Now, one yeah. thing that they do say... <laughs> Studying. No, they, they, he went to the library and starts actually studying the occult. Yeah, he studies the occult. There's one I forgot to put Before that in there. Before any of this weird shit. No, happens? during, 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 yeah. because he and his wife practice transcendental meditation. Is this um, while she smoked three cartons a day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they were they were practicing, you know, meditation and all that kind of stuff. Got tired of his house smelling. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Is, like the nicotine yeah. stains on the walls. These people got to get the fuck out of here. One of the funny <laughs> one of the funny parts of the book that I forgot to put in here was he goes to the library. He starts researching demons because he's just hell bent. That's a bad pun. Hell bent on the fact that the house is being possessed by demons. And so whenever um, Father. Uh, uh, Mancuso calls him just to do a wellness check. How's it going? Have you reached out and got professional help? He's like, guess what? I went to the library. I researched the demons. And then the father's like, George, don't. And he's like, and I learned that if you, George, don't. If you call these demons out by their names, George, don't do it. And he's like, blah, 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 and so-and-so, and blah, blah. And he's like, George, will you just knock it the fuck off? And say, like, fuck. He's like, will you just knock it off? Please, stop. You're going to piss him off. He's like, no, it clearly says here. And he's like, oh, criminy. So think about this. Like, so then you think about the priest where it really wasn't stigmata. If it wasn't stigmata it, or Maybe it signs was. of it, if it was just stress and hives, you can just bring up blisters. Like, could you imagine that? Like, this dude, I mean, almost you kind of want to believe the other clergy members of, like, his, his yeah. peers saying, like, you're obsessing about this. Yeah. You're getting too worked up yeah, on this. Yeah, but why was he obsessing about it? That is the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because really, I mean, demonology wasn't a huge thing. Exorcisms weren't, you know, as popular now but as I think they the, were. But the Catholic back Church then they now. was kind of like on edge a little bit too because mm-hmm. this was well, how many years after Exorcist came three, out? Three, three, and everybody, two, two to three. It's two. still pretty, extremely fresh in people's eyes, mm-hmm. especially looking at the Catholic Church. Yeah. So exorcism was, was like some big, huge thing. And I don't know. It's just it. It's just like the perfect storm. Yeah, that's what I think this whole thing is. Well. Plus, think about this later with going along with what you said about the whole exorcisms. And remember, I don't remember. It was in the nineties. They did one on TV. An exorcism. A real live exorcism. I remember part of that. They were getting possessed through their television. Yeah. What well, I forget. I don't know. I remember this at all. Yeah, this is I funny because on the way I here, I refused to watch it. I'll have to I look it up. Yeah. On the way here, I was trying to think of that case because in my head, I got it twisted with the actual um, the Amityville case. I was thinking had a televised uh, exorcism in it. But no, there was there's a live a case of a live exorcism. I think it was somebody's house. Maybe they were at. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it was on sixty yeah. minutes. Yeah. Sixty yeah. minutes or sightings or one of those shows. Yeah. yeah, it was sixty minutes. I refused that was, yeah, to watch totally it. Different. I was so afraid. Yeah. So growing up, since you are um, Catholic, like with the Italian background, like did you did you like raise from because like my buddy he's Italian and he was raised in the Catholic Church. Yeah. 
And when I tell him about my paranormal, he's like, nope, don't hear about it. Don't want and, well, no. and it's like, and, uh, and I'm like, well, I'm like, no, it's not like, it's not like we're like inviting people in. We just like, we, we like, to, we like to talk about You can talk about it, but like, you don't say the names. Yeah, yeah, like like with what the, yeah. the, the priest was saying. I know people that name yeah. their dogs these names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say I almost said one, but I won't say it. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it. I won't. It's like <laughs> you, you have to sage water. Don't say it three times. I do. You want me to get it? I remember no. last time. Sage water. No, I remember last time. Last time we did this, we talked about the uh, exorcism, awesome. and you brought it out and sprayed it around a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. I do, and yeah. I will. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I'm totally very. Been demon free since you know ever since. So it's got to work. The sage spray, because I don't like the smell of sage. I yeah. never have. Neither do demons. On a, oh, whatever. On I'm Netflix right now, the uh, was it the producer or one of the writers, or I think it was the producer that worked on the, the original movie, um, he went overseas to Italy mm-hmm. and filmed uh, a well-known case of a woman that was supposedly possessed. And he you know, it talks about him working on the film and all the weird crap that happened. But then um, he starts to kind of follow uh, the, this priest in the town, and then the priest ends up dying. And then um, they bring in somebody else to do this exorcism for this woman, and he's actually filming it. And you can hear almost like uh, you know the Tibetan monks that do the throat singing. Mm-hmm. At the who? As she's mm-hmm. talking, you can hear her voice change in pitch. It's and that guttural and, and almost echoey, like there's multiple things, and you could just like just her facial expressions, like it's the whole thing strippy. Hmm. It's like holy crap, you this can, woman you can still might see that footage. Yeah, it's the, yeah. he shows everything That's uncut. Right. Like I watch that. yeah, see, I can't wow, watch he shows everything. Yeah, yeah. everything like everything no. full. Twig and berries. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, she doesn't pick up green bile. She doesn't awesome. turn her head all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. Super natty. <laughs> <laughs> my grandpa used to say that shit all the yeah. time. Now, <laughs> there's one last thing in the book I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Lee, uh, George Lutz went by Lee, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. he's talking to Stephen Kaplan, he mentions the name Ray Buckland who was uh, basically a guy who ran a witchcraft museum in Bayshore before moving to New England. So Stephen's like, oh, you've heard of Ray Buckland? And, and George Lutz is like, oh, yeah, I knew Ray. We had some interesting conversations about witchcraft when he ran the museum. Come to find out, the guy had retired a few years previous. So George was into this stuff a couple of years before mm-hmm. he moved into the house. See, yeah, well, with that transcendental meditation, I mean, yeah, yeah he was getting further and further into it. Yeah, I say he's probably just researching more and more of all that kind of stuff. So, wow, well, we know someone who does that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think just altered state. Well, so maybe, maybe a good way to wrap all this up then is to go around and ask. Each of us. Or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. What does everybody think? I, that's a fair way to kill it. <laughs> that's good. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair way to do it. So, okay. Well, okay. to wrap Split everything, <laughs> right? Yeah. To wrap everything up, then, because we could keep on going for hours about just everything in that book. Maybe we should. We did. <laughs> right. Yeah. Literally, we did. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with John. John, what do you think? Amityville horror was it horror or hoax? I, I'm in the hoax category. Okay. Perfect. Leslie. Horror. Horror. <laughs> Steve. Horror. Yeah. High five. Just, high five. Just because of the nature of 
the, the murders, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the nature of the murders happening, mm-hmm. and then that, and then that, and then like for me to pack up and leave everything, that's a big deal. Because yeah, they do say the epilogue to all this is supposedly. They left everything. They moved yeah. to California. They started over, and they left the house and all the belongings to the bank to basically yeah. settle up. And see, and then that, yeah, to the bank. And then the fact that they were pretty open with how much money they made. They were like, we made like a quarter million dollars, but a lot of that was lost in, in court. Yeah. And, they, sure. and they had to deal with yeah. people ostracizing them. Yeah, all sure. the time. I mean, yeah, and I mean, and the new owners, too, we should mention, too, the new owners of the house – they actually removed those telltale, what they call the jack-o'-lantern the windows. windows. They removed those and put in normal, just traditional yeah, those style windows. windows. Were yeah, creepy. That's what I mean. That's the cover well, of every to single hide movie. The house, so. basically. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I think yeah. they changed the address even. Uh, they may have. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what the current address was. I just know it's gone on sale. It's gone on sale a few times, and it always hits the news. Amityville House on sale, you know, for sale. Yeah. So, Brady, what do you think, man? Horror or hoax? Mm. I don't know. Either yeah, one. Yeah, either. <laughs> flip a coin. 50 yeah. 50. <laughs> Brady shows his across his stomach in old English is a tattoo that says, I want to believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What I? I was, oh, oh, Brady. Brady has the answer. I forgot about that. Yeah. Great yeah. flex. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Wow. <laughs> I, as bad as I want to say, I think it's true and it's a real life horror. I thought this was real up until when John and I met and started talking about it. Um, I, I it pains me to say I think it's a hoax. It's you have seen the lie. I yeah with <laughs> with Kaplan's book, and knowing that there are discrepancies on paper in many versions, I have to say I think it's a hoax. But on a caveat, I would say I believe that a few things may have happened to them in the house. Yes. Yeah, okay. So yeah, right. yeah. A few things yeah. might have happened, and I think that some of the stuff is exaggerated. Absolutely. So, but sure. I do think something something has happened. Something could have happened. Yeah. 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 I think that the Feo got out of his mind high, killed his family, unfortunately. Rest in peace. Uh, I think the Lutz family may have experienced something in there. And then whatever. You know, they, they yeah. just they got too greedy. Preston. All right, now the researcher speaks. I'm with the tools. So I'm going to have to like side with Brady because we got two hoaxers. Two he has hauntings. the same shirt on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to believe, right? Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on the fence. So. Even split. Yeah. Two, two, two. Two, two, and two. I don't like yeah. it. Well, we got to go to the streets and pull somebody. I think we're going to have a third episode. <laughs> we're going to have to have a third episode. We'll wait for him to come back for the carpet. Is that, that guy that was pointing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, might have been. So, Well, some, cool. Some guy looks like a preacher standing out there pointing. Oh, oh, no. And all these, flies on the, all these flies on the windows. Yeah. I'm sorry. If that guy comes to your door, don't answer. I don't plan yeah. to. We meant to serve live jello tonight, but... We ran out of well, time. That would have been too funny, I man. Totally That's funny. <laughs> yep. Well, this was a lot of fun, guys. We uh, we didn't even talk about the movie, so we'll have to come back and, and finish up. Our next gathering, we'll talk about Amityville, the movie. Okay. And okay. then we'll move on. So, but yeah. So. You got to watch it by then. Yeah. I will have to find it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, hell, I mean, with all of them. Because at what point do those movies turn into. Just a franchise, just a uh, yeah. B movie horror well, franchise. The funny part is Amityville 3D mm-hmm. features a journalist that Stephen is based on Stephen based Kaplan. Based on Stephen Kaplan, yeah. Mm. The, the guy that is looking for the hoax. 
basically gets dragged to hell. Spoiler alert! <laughs> right. So here, so, I, what, what I'll do, what I'll do then, for, and I'll, I'm not going to edit too much of this whole recording. I'm going to cut what we recorded tonight into two parts. We'll release part one uh, tomorrow, and then part two next week, and then we'll have to come back and meet here and actually talk about the movies. And I'll title that like. Amityville 2, the blah, 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 or whatever. And yeah. I really want So Cool. All right. Well, we should sign off and get out of here because it is well after midnight. So um, do you guys have anything you would like to plug? We always plug, of course, CD Trade Post every time. Well, so CD give us an appropriate plug. For what's your sale going on at CD Trade Post right yeah, now? Yeah, plug it. No harm, no foul. Buy two, get one free on used movies, music, and games. DVDs and Blu-rays? Yes. Wow. And we're throwing in our T-shirts. Oh, wow. As Man. a part of that sale. Got some cool pop culture t-shirts here. Yes. Yeah, and those everything are... from horror to music to video game, everything. Yeah. Nice. And locally made, right? Right. Yeah. We yeah. design yeah. our own. All different yeah. sizes, yeah. too. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Perfect. Cool. Awesome. Well, we are more than honored to be here with you guys, Thank especially you. in the CV Trade Post. So Lovely new beautiful, beautiful store. Yeah. New building. Definitely. And again, 1010 West Pawnee. 1010 West Pawnee, <laughs> Right, yeah. right. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for having us. Check out our friends down the street at uh, Harry and Rock at Fast Print. What other local businesses do we plug? It's late. I apologize. Uh, Oh, yeah, we'll always plug that. (laughs) That's Preston's job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steven, what is the Instagram for the shows? Instagram is PXL Paranormal, and the other one is called 13 Nightmares Pod. Pod. Uh, Both on Instagram, on Facebook. You can get us at Pixelated Paranormal Podcast on Facebook and 13 Nightmares on Facebook as well. Uh, we're all, we're we're always updating the Instagrams, and they go directly to the Facebook, so we get a little bit of exposure in both places. I also want to give a shout out to since I guess we can talk about this one publicly. Um, the we got to see Lady of White and Fear No Evil. Yeah. For um, I'm gonna at a theater. At at a theater, it's yeah. Frank. Lologia. Lologia from Italy. Uh, really nice yeah. guy. I actually private messaged him today and showed him our post for 13 Nightmares, and he was very appreciative of it. And he called us all lovely. Yeah. And then I complimented him on his mustache. <laughs> How could anybody deny that mustache? And he lo- and then he laughed at it. So uh, he's, he's the creator of, of both of the movies, the director, and a really nice guy. And we got to witness his movies on the big screen. It was really a big deal because, like, he sent us a, a personalized video and, like, all this stuff. It was really, really, mm-hmm. really unique and cool. So uh, the offshoot chance he's listening to this, what up? And thank you so much. So there's a shout out. Yeah, thanks, cool. Frank. Yeah, thank thanks, you, Frank. Brady. You got anything to plug? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the thirteen nightmares. Yeah, yeah. thirteen nightmares. State covered it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cool, awesome. All right, <laughs> Preston, what do you got for us? As always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow a better beard. Than George Lutz. It's not all like shaggy, un- you know, unkempt and possessed. Seventies, yeah, filthy. Yeah, get rid of that seventies beard bush that you got going on your face, and check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for twenty percent off your order. And check out Bay Rum, sweet tobacco, citrus, fresh, mint. Like you just rock it all on your face. Yep, Classic. You can't go wrong with Dobbs. And if you want to be like George Lutz and not wash yourself or your beard for well over a week, get yourself some beard soap from Big Dobbs as well. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. All right. And then check out the rest of the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Pixelated Sausage, that's Mark's solo show. 
Attack the Backlog, check out 13 Nightmares, of course. And I think that about does it. If we forgot to plug anybody, we are sorry. It is wicked late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. All right. Until next time, I'd like to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.